Good morning. Happy Father's Day for those of you who are fathers. For those of you who today is a difficult day, whether it was um, a loss of a dad or desire to be, that was not something that you were able to do. We are aware of that. We mourn with you. Um, and I know that today can be a tough day, um, but hopefully in the midst of it, you can find some joy um, in, in, in all circumstances through that. Um, also, for those of you who are here from VBS, um, I heard Chris say, we are glad that you're here. And my hope is this, that, um, that you would make a commitment to be here for an extended period of time. To not just come this week and say, hey, is this a place where we can be and serve and, and, and do that once, but that you'll come back for four weeks or six weeks, wherever, however you feel the Lord leading, and allow us to walk alongside you. Allow us to get to know you a little bit, plug in here, allow this place to be home. And we encourage you, if after four or six weeks you still feel like it's not a good place, blessings. But I think if you give us a try and you commit to be here, you will see um, that this could hopefully be a good home for you. So again, as Chris said, um, I got a phone call today or a text message at about 8 o'clock this morning. And so um, I have a message today from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we are not going to continue with our Where's the Smoke, Where There's Smoke series, but we're going to pause from that. And we are going to focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we don't have any slides for this. And so if you have your phone, tablet, if you actually brought your Bible today, open that up. Um, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And as you're getting there, I want to give a little bit of context to what's going on here in Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And this is a letter to a church that he helped plant or start. And in this letter, it is a letter of encouragement, but also a letter of correction. One thing we know about the church in Corinth is it was a hot mess. And this church had so many problems and issues. And it's one of these letters that we read in Scripture that brings comfort to us as followers of Jesus because we recognize that even in the early centuries when the church was brand new, there were still problems, there were still issues that we see today. So it gives us some hope that we can continue on as God has called us to, as, as they did. So, John, so Paul writes this letter to them, and kind of the big idea for the day, the one thing that I want you guys to hopefully grab hold of, knowing that I hope that the sermon right now is as close or similar to the sermon that happened at nine o'clock today, because I just did it on the fly. So hopefully we'll end up in the same spot at the end, but the main idea is this, that God's desire for the church, for us as the church, is to grow and to mature us. That he wants us to change, to grow in our faith as we walk with him. That he doesn't want us to be the same yesterday, six months ago, that we are today and where we're going to be in five years. But that he desires for us to grow. So out of today, I hope that you hear that God's desire for us is to grow, and we're going to take a look on how, look at how he does that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. 
Indeed, you are still not ready for it. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? You're not acting like, are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is a Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. A man who plants and a man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. The idea here is this, Paul's getting at, and one thing I want us to understand today is there is a time for us that we need the simple teachings of Jesus, or as Paul uses the word here, milk, not solid food. Because at some point, we are all new to following Jesus. We are new to applying Jesus' teachings in the way that he says best and true to live to our lives. Now, that may mean that this is something that for you, you've only been doing a couple years, and you've lived most of your life following your own teachings and, done, and doing what you want to do and not what Jesus has asked us to do. Maybe you're someone who's been following Jesus for a long time. And this is something that you've seen yourself grow and you've seen yourself mature. Maybe you're someone that's been following Jesus for a long time and have just stayed where you're comfortable and been able to eat the things that you're comfortable with and not challenging yourself. And what Paul is saying here is he desires each of us to grow. And that's going to look different. I've said before, I have a six-year-old, a four-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And And I have different expectations for each one of them. For example, when it comes to getting dressed, I can tell Logan, who's six, go upstairs, get dressed, get ready, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, and you know what? At six years old, you can help your younger brother and your younger sister get ready, right? And I should be able, at six years old, he should be able to go upstairs, and I should be able to trust him to go up and to take on that responsibility to get dressed and get ready to walk out the door. Now, my one-and-a-half-year-old has different expectations. I don't expect her to be able to do those things. We celebrate the fact that I can say, Audrey, can you go upstairs and get your pajamas? And then she goes, stairs. And she'll walk up the stairs, reach on top of her dresser, grab her pajamas, bring them back down, come down, lay down, so I can help change her into her pajamas. There are different expectations. If Logan at six years old, if all I was able to do was to say, hey, Logan, go upstairs and grab your pajamas and I'll help you get them on, I'd be a little bit more concerned about that. But for my one and a half year old, we celebrate that because that is a big accomplishment for her to be able to go up, grab her pajamas and bring them down. And hopefully she will continue to grow in those things. And the same is true in our walk with Jesus. Some of us, have been given gifts, talents, and abilities that we have not allowed God to use for our own selfish gain. And God wants to use those gifts for His own. Again, 
as we just sang. We are a child of God. We have a good father. And on Father's Day, we remember that. On Father's Day, we remember, and I, this is something I often point to my kids, that when I make a mistake, when I raise my voice, when I lose my temper, when I do things that hurts their feelings, I apologize and remind them, remember, we have a good father who doesn't do these things, who is a perfect father, who wants the best for us, who's patient with us, but we also have a good father that wants and expects us to grow up, whose desires for us is not to remain the same, but to grow so that he can use us in his kingdom. One of the things that I love about this passage is how practical it can be. We see here first that he says, you are, I have to address you as humans because you are fighting and there's jealousy and quarreling going on amongst you. And what were they quarreling over? They were arguing over who they followed. And I think this is a big deal for us because in the church today, we oftentimes aren't so focused on our own maturity. We aren't focused on how God is growing us up, but we're more focused on how things are done and we want them done our way. And so we fight and we argue about these things and we t it takes our focus off what God really wants to be doing in our lives and puts the focus on ourselves. This is one thing that I will brag on at, for us here at Calvary. One of the reasons I'm glad to be on staff here, one of the reasons that I'm glad to be a part of this church community is one of the things that we, we see often in church world is that the, we'll call them worship wars, what music are you going to listen to? How, how are we going to worship? Are we going to do the traditional hymns that most of us grew up singing? Or are we going to transition into having drums and guitars? And what's right and what's wrong? And these, this issue in particular can split a church. This can cause a lot of problems in a church. And this is one of those issues I feel like here at Calvary, we've been able to move forward with grace, with understanding, and with love. I don't know if many of you are aware of this, but at, during our nine o'clock service, we have a service that meets in here, but there's also a service that goes on in our side auditorium. And there are about 30 or 40 people that meet in there. They sing hymns. They have their own way that they set up their service. And then what they do is during the sermon, they can either come in here or we also live stream it over there so that they can see us on a screen as we preach. And that's one of those things that I'm so thankful for how that worked itself out because the way it started was this. At one point, I don't know when this started, it was before I got here, that traditional service for those 30 or 40 people, whoever preached that day, preached at that service for 30 or 40 people. Because we wanted them to feel valued, we wanted them to feel like you have been a key part of what God has been doing here at Calvary for a lot of years, and because you enjoy to worship like this, and, the, and some of us do not, we don't want to just say, okay, you're going to have to adapt. We want to honor you. We want you to be able to worship God as you have been accustomed to worshiping God. So we will come, and we will, we will come to that service, and we will make sure that you have someone to preach to you so you can hear God's Word taught. And it was one of those things that, again, I love going, I, I would love doing that because they were always so loving and nurturing and, and they were always so encouraging even as I was fumbling through things. They'd come up and give me, encourage me afterwards. But about a year and a half ago, 
things were getting a little bit bigger. We needed to add another service. And so we went to them and said, hey, what would you think of continuing your service at nine o'clock, but having a video feed for your sermon? Is this something that, that would be okay with you? And their response was this, of course. We love to see what God is doing here. We love to see the young families. We love to see how God is moving. And yes, we are okay. We know that we can come in. It's four or five steps. Or we'll, hear, we'll, we'll sit here and watch it on the screen. And even those first four or five weeks, the, the feed wouldn't work. The screen would mess up. They were extremely patient with us. And as I looked in the screen earlier, I'll look in here again and say, thank you so much. Because their posture was, we're not going to do what's best for us, but we want to do what's best for the kingdom of God, and we want to do what's best for those that want to come here and experience God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for valuing us. And now let us do the same for you. And I love to tell that story. I tell that story often in our Discovering Calvary class because it's one of these things that doesn't happen, happen often in churches. This is the thing that the enemy will use to divide us. But when we are spiritually mature, when we're able to see what God is doing and the mission that God has us on over the mission of ourselves, we're able to put some of these things to rest and focus on him and focus on others. The big issue that was going on in the church here at Corinth was, who are you following? Are you following Paul or are you following Apollos? And Paul, I love his words here. I love how he says, yes, I, I planted the seed. It was Apollos' job to water it, to help it grow, to help you mature in your faith, to, help, to put things in place so that you could mature in your faith. Let me correct that. But it was God who did the maturing. It was God who did the growing. And that's the most important piece. That's the most important thing to remember is that God is the one who does the growing. Now, it's important for us to understand that God, as I said earlier, has given us gifts, talents, and abilities to use for his kingdom. But oftentimes, we like to get the credit. We like to get the recognition for those gifts. And we are so concerned about those things that we lose focus that God is the most important. That God is the one who does the growing. That his role is what really matters. That we have a job. We have an assignment. But it is God that gets the glory. Because again... If we were planting a field, it's good. That field is not going to grow if there's nothing in the ground. So it's good to plant the seed. And it's good to put seed in the dirt, but if you don't have water, it's not going to grow. So the water is important and it plays its part. But if you have the seed and you have water and it doesn't grow, it's still worthless. It's still just a seed in the ground. So God's work in our life is the most important part of that process. It's good for us, for those of us who serve in children's ministry. It's good for us, for those of us who serve on the First Impressions team, for those who are deacons who are going to come up in here and serve communion and serve the church. Those roles are good. They are necessary. It's good to have someone who can take time to study God's Word and can come up here and deliver a message. Those are useful things. But if we're not growing because of those things, then it's all for naught. We want to make sure that we're growing. 
and that we're allowing God's work in our lives to grow us up and to mature us. So does this mean that we don't use our gifts? No. It means that we use those gifts, talents, and abilities, but we do so with the proper perspective on what those are. That God does have a plan for us, that God does have a use for us, but if we don't do it, He has someone else in mind to cover it. This is something that's been, um, as living here, that I've been readily available because we live in a community that's a little bit transient. We have people who come in who are here for a few years to study at school, to work on a master's degree, to get some training, and then they're leaving again. And so we know that we're only going to have people for a little bit of time because the nature of our community is it's transient. And we could worry a lot about if so-and-so moves or so-and-so leaves, how are, we going to go, how are we going to replace that? Again, God has given us and provided us everything that we need. And whether you're here or whether God calls you elsewhere or uses you someplace else, God is raising someone up to take your place and to serve. And we need to do that. We need to understand our calling. We need to be willing to submit what we want to do for God's kingdom to use our gifts for his mission. But we need to have the proper perspective with it because sometimes we can get so full of, I do this. This is my role that I play at the church and it's extremely important and no one else can do it. Someone else can do it. The most important work is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As God matures us, and as God grows us up. Paul talks here in verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. So this means that we are working alongside God. Then he says, you are God's field. And I love this passage because, too, we get so many Um, examples, practical examples. He gives us things that we can really understand and get some word pictures for. And he calls us God's field. And as we've talked about earlier, and again, hear me say, even as I was driving in this morning thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about? I was hesitant to talk about this because I know that farming this season has caused a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety for people. That the rain that we've gotten and how we've gotten has made it a very difficult season. And so even talking about this and how we trust God as we plant and grow, and when I say the word water, some people just cringe because there's been so much of it this year. But I hope that through this process that God is maturing you, that you're learning to trust Him more even through difficult times. But He calls us His field. And again, We hope that a seed gets planted, we hope that it gets watered, and we hope that God does the growing, that something grows up out. And sometimes, you know, I live, I back up to a field, and so specifically I love when there's corn planted behind me because I can look out my bathroom window and just see this vast field of corn. And it's a beautiful sight, and I'm thankful when that happens. But a field of corn that is not harvested is worthless. It may make a beautiful picture, but it does no good if it's not actually used for something. And so as we grow and mature, when Paul talks about us being God's field, what he's referring to there is that, yes, he wants us to grow. Yes, he wants us to mature, but he also wants to harvest what's going on in our life and send us out into our communities to use what he's doing in our life for others. 
Not just even what happens in this room, in this church building, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But he wants to send us out into our communities, into our workplaces, on the mission field across the world to use those gifts, the things that he's doing in our lives for his glory and for his betterment. We need to be able to be used and shared by others. For me, where this has played itself out the most personally, the thing that I'm most thankful for in my own life, is that when I sit across the table from a wise older man who's been walking with Jesus for a lot of years. And when I'm with these men, there is a countenance about them. There is a humility. There is a peace when I sit across from them. They're not trying to impress me. They're not trying to make much of themselves. They're just present with me, and they genuinely care about me and they listen. And that's, I believe that that has come over time. They're not quick with their words, but they're peaceful. And I believe that they have God's peace that they are sharing with me at that time. And a lot of my role, a lot of my job here is to spend time with you guys, to go do lunches, to do coffees. And my hope and goal as I mature in my faith is that when we sit across the table from each other, when we have lunch together, that my presence there for you, that you feel the presence of God there because of my presence, because of the work that I'm allowing God to do in my life, he's able to use me in your life as he's done with so many men for mine. Maybe for you, there are these people that when you're, when you're around them, the joy that exudes from them is just contagious. The joy that they have in the Lord, no matter what is going on in their life, when you're around them, you smile more, they're happy, they're jumping around. When you're infected with that, we like to be around those people. That is, that, is, that is a gift. That is God's presence in them and allowing that to work through them and then be used in the lives of others. We have several people here who go on missions trips to build wells to the, to the Dominican Republic, and we, they go every year. We have people who serve in our community, whether it be at Wellspring, our counseling center, whether it be at the Lafayette Transitional Housing. We have people who serve every week or monthly here because they have been given the gift of service and they want to give back with what God has given them for his glory. And when we're able to use what God is doing our lives for the benefit of others, that's where we start to see the kingdom of God grow. God wants to grow us up. And not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others and for his kingdom. And finally here he says, you are God's building. You are God's building. And what he's referring to there is Old Testament. When you look back and you look at the Old Testament, the way they did, or the way they followed God, the way they did church, is they would go to the temple. And they had this temple set up, and there was the Holy of Holies that was there. And that's where God's presence rested. Well, then Jesus steps on the scene, and when he dies, the veil that was torn, right? We've heard that before. The veil is torn. The presence of God now goes out for everyone. Jesus then raises from the dead, ascends up into heaven, and then sends down the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to be the very presence of God inside of us. So now we 
are the very presence of God. We are God's building. We are where God dwells. So we don't have to come to a building like this on a Sunday morning to experience God, God's presence. We have the ability to do that wherever we gather because we are God's building. And we need each other. We need each other. When we gather, the, gather is to, the reason we gather is to celebrate to encourage and to build one another up because as we go back out, as we are being harvested and used out in the world, we need to remember that we're going to come back in here on Sunday, take a deep breath, worship, gather together, and say, oh, okay, I'm ready to go back out again because I've been filled up by the presence of each other in our lives. God wants to grow us up. God wants the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to continue to mature us so that together, as a collective, we can make a difference for his glory in his kingdom. Not our glory in our kingdom. So we all have jobs to do. We all have assignments that we've been given. We all have a role that we play. We are fellow workers. We are, fields, we are a field ready to be harvested and used for the betterment of others. We are a collective of gathered people with the presence of God amongst us for the betterment of the greater Lafayette area and the world around us. Let's put that into place. Let's put that into practice. He continues on, if we were to continue on here in 1 Corinthians, he continues on and starts talking about this idea of a building. If you're going to build a building, how do you do it? You want to use the right materials, and you want to make sure that you have a solid foundation, and you want to make sure that the cornerstone of that building is Jesus. And when he talks about that, he's referring back to one of Jesus' teachings in Matthew 7. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, which we have spent a lot of time in recently. And you'll probably recognize the words from a song that we sing. And this is what Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27 says. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is, a foolish man, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. There are two things that Jesus says here that are similar. First thing is this, we have a choice on where we're going to build our house. We hear these words, we hear the words of Jesus, and we have a choice. Are we going to build our house on the rock? Or are we going to build our house in the sand? So both times we've heard, what are we going to do with that? He also says, the rains came, the streams rose, and the winds blew. That's going to happen. There are going to come times in our life where the rain's going to come, the, the streams are going to rise, and the wind's going to beat against our house. And where our rock is, where our focus is, where our foundation is, is going to determine the outcome. And his advice to us in that is, did you hear these words of mine and did you put them into practice? 
Did you allow God's work in your life? Did you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in your life through different practices, how we order our lives, how we live? Did you allow that to change you? Did you allow that so that's what you built upon the cornerstone of Jesus is how we live our life, how we order our life? Because the rains are going to come. Tough times are going to come around us. But as God is maturing us, as God is growing us up, He is giving us each other, and He is giving us food and sustenance that will sustain us when things get tough. But we need to remember where our foundation is and who does the growing in our life. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for um, Jesus. We thank you that he is our cornerstone, Lord. We thank you for how much you desire for us to grow up how much you desire for us to mature. And Father, I pray that we would start to order our lives around that, that we would not focus on the things that we argue and that we fight about, Lord, that we would focus on your mission and what you're calling us to, that we would get out of our own way, we would allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in our lives so that we can grow and mature and we can be used in this community. Father, we are thankful for your patience with us. But Father, I pray right now that for us who are in this room today that we would hear your words and that we would put them into practice, Lord. That we, we would not just settle and be satisfied for where we're at right now, but that we would learn to trust you more. That we would grow in our walk with you so that we can experience more of you in our own life, but more importantly, Lord, so that others can experience more of you in our lives, so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can show others the peace that's promised, so we can show others the love that's promised, so we can show others the hope and the joy that's promised in a life with you, Lord. So ultimately, Father, that you are glorified how we have chosen to live our lives humbly and submitted to you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.